Welcome to the Golf Exposed Podcast. It is non-stop trash stuff. I'm supposed to be pros here. I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf. Golf Exposed Podcast. But it wasn't talked about like it is now. We got our kicked. Where we give you the good, the bad, and the truth about golf business, betting, and stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Exposed Podcast. My name is Jordan Michael Colson here with the CEO of Brown Golf Management and Golf Back, John Brown. John, welcome to our triumphant 10th episode, a bit of a milestone. How does it feel to have 10 episode, episodes under your belt? Not bad. 10 feels pretty good. All right. Well, today we have a, a, a massive array of content for you. You've written an article and you've never been shy about sharing your opinions, and this has to do with... Well, I'll let you tell the tale. What inspired you to write this article? What is it about? And um, tell us a little bit about what we're going to journey into today. Well, as you know, Jordan, you know, our company made the decision to move away from third-party aggregate tee time platforms like GolfNow and TeeOff.com in Q1 of 2020. I documented that journey through a series of articles called Taking Our Golf Back, which I got a lot of great uh, feedback from folks in the market as it relates to those articles. But those articles are a little bit of a dense read. Uh, you know, there's uh, six articles. You know, they take, you know, six to eight, nine minutes each article to read. It's a little bit of a dense read. Uh, so I wanted to kind of address that process, but do it in, in a, a little bit more simplistic format. And so, you know, I wrote an article called Seven Steps to Leave Golf Now. And uh, these, to me, are the steps you need to take to leave. And if, uh, if you're thinking about leaving and, and, and doing something a little different for your business moving forward, I think this is a great article to kind of give you the foundation to start to make those steps. If anybody's listening to the show for the first time, we're 10 episodes in. First of all, what have you been doing? Second of all, our main goal here is not to huff and puff and blow smoke and make ourselves feel big for talking, although I do love to do that. It is really just to provide owner operators with the most data that we can, insider knowledge, and to create the most profitable courses that we can and help them run their businesses more efficiently. I mean, that's ultimately the goal here. And with online booking increasing every single year, as we've documented on this show, companies like Golf Now, they're just not providing that service. Is that fair to say? I would say that as the number of online tee times increases each year, it's more important for us to pay attention to those uh, revenue channels and analyze whether we think they are the most fruitful channels for our golf courses, you know, as operators and owners. And I would agree with the assessment. Obviously, we've pulled all of our clubs off of golf now that that relationship, there's not a positive correlation with that relationship and our profitability of our total green and car fee revenues. So um, I would tell any operator out there that more and more business is being done online. It's happening in golf. You need to analyze those channels. Well, I'm going to ask you only from your own personal experience, and I know you'll touch on this in the article, which we'll get to just in a minute here. Was there any apprehension from any of the courses under the Brown Golf Management portfolio in making this transition? And if so, how did you ease that uh, tension, or is that what we're going to delve into right now? Facts and data. Easiest way to to get over the potential fear of missing out on being a part of what is perceived to be the largest network in golf, the Golf Now Network, and the rounds and revenue you receive from them. We had facts and data to support that making the decision was both 
the right decision from how online golfer behavior interacts with uh, purchasing tee times, uh, but also just knowing what our total green and car fee revenue numbers are and knowing that you know we were not seeing growth and if anything we were seeing a bit of retraction and we needed to uh, make some different business decisions. All right, let's jump into it. This is your article of seven easy steps to leave golf now. Let's build it up. Drum roll, please. We're going to get right into step one. John, take it away. Step one is a step that can be taken tomorrow, even if you are on golf now or teeoff.com. It's start to build your direct booking strategy. When I say direct booking strategy, I mean look at how people book tee times at your golf course. Any tee time that's booked through a platform, whether that platform's the phone, whether that is uh, online, however they may be booked, wherever you make 100% of the margin, green and cart fee revenue in that uh, particular channel, try to drive your traffic to that channel. So what I mean by that is if you have a Golf Now customer who's in front of you who has purchased a barter tea time and you've made $0, what are you going to do to incentivize them to book directly with you in the future? Build that strategy and start working on it today. Do you think that people who frequent a golf course, are they trained at this point to go directly to Golf Now and search their course? Or do they often still look at the course website first? Our online surveys of 6,700 golfers suggest that they think about where they want to play uh, first, and then they go and find the best deal. They're not going to an aggregate platform to scan a menu of options and then eventually you know, making a deal where they're going to play golf. Generally, the market individual has an idea of where they want to play. Now, the question has been asked, what about when you go to travel markets and maybe you don't know uh, the golf course options in that market? What we found is that the majority of customers actually search through Google before they search through Golf Now if they're in a market that they don't know. So, which supports, hey, listen, put your tee times on your golf course website and eventually uh, customers will find them. And you state many times in this article that the consumer is extremely intelligent. So, you're approaching this not to talk down to them, it's to educate them. They may not be aware of any of this and you're treating them with the utmost respect. As you say in the article, they are smart. They will find the best rate one way or another. Absolutely. And not only that, I say, listen, give them great value. Give them the best rate, you know, incentivize them to book direct, maybe give them some, you know, unique promo codes to use in the future. If you have that technology available at your club, you know, maybe give them a reward for booking direct. I mean, make it a value to the customer and they'll become your customer for life. Absolutely. Let's go into step two right, right now, hot and heavy. Step two is understand your contract and or agreement that you have in place with a third-party aggregator. Many of our third-party aggregators uh, have evolved over time, especially GolfNow and Tioff.com, where they also offer point-of-sale services. And what happened through that process was is they had golf courses sign agreements and contracts, basically, for listing bartered tee times on their aggregate tee time platforms, GolfNow and Tioff.com, in exchange for point-of-sale services. Well, what ended up transpiring through that process is, you know, a lot of fine print, a lot of different language in their agreements. So if you are considering making the switch from Golf Now or Tioff.com, first thing you need to do is understand your contract, understand if there's automatic renewals, understand if there's rate parity language, understand if you're trading one tee time a day or are you trading four starts a day? That's very different. Four starts, you know, can be sold 
at any time at four different slots. One tee time is obviously a, a distinct time. You know, you got to see what the language is. You definitely need to understand when is your opportunity to potentially exit that agreement. If an owner operator is looking at this agreement, would you recommend having legal counsel present or at least running it by them before they make any decisions? Absolutely. The agreements are complicated. Uh, they, they deal in data. They deal in, uh, you know, some, some technical language uh, that I'm uncomfortable with as an owner operator. So uh, you need to have legal counsel review uh, any agreements with point of sales companies. All right. Very good. Step three. Now, if I've heard you mention anything on this show, it's all about the data. So let's dive into step three right, right away. Step three is if you're thinking about making a switch, ensure that you receive all the data that's been collected by Golf Now uh, over the years or teeoff.com. That is your data. You do have access to it. Uh, for Golf Now, for instance, you can go through the Golf Now Central dashboard and export that data. You need to ensure that you're grabbing as much data as you can for at least the tee times that paid through those different platforms. If you are uncomfortable kind of pulling that data yourself or you don't know where to pull it, just ask your Golf Now rep. And if you don't get it the first time you ask, keep asking. Eventually, they will supply it to you and you do need it uh, once you move forward in a different a technology marketing solution so that you can reach out to your customer and let them know, hey, we're no longer on Golf Now or Teeoff.com. We're on these platforms for booking tee times. Have you found in your experience that people who really want to get into their data and investigate why things are not working the way they want to be, or maybe they just want to improve things, do you find that it's difficult to obtain the data? And conversely, with Golfback, are you guys waiting for the course to retroactively say, can I look at the data or are you proactively going out and saying, here's the reports, here's where we can improve, here's where we're just doing a great job? Uh, we're proactive. We have a monthly report that comes out, which is, is about a de as detailed as it gets from everything you could want to know about what's happening online and with your business. But I mean, really the fundamental of making the change from a golf now or, or tf.com is that uh, you don't want to just turn that channel off and not ask for your data because you want a better starting point whenever you're moving forward with a different philosophy. So you just need to have it handy from there. The professionals that you work with in the industry will be able to help you with uh, a good, strong foundation. Do you think Golf Now wants you to ask for the data or are they kind of hoping that you just sort of get busy and kind of forget to ask about it? Well, they don't automatically send it to you. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's always been a bit of a challenge, at least my interactions, very hard to get any information as it relates to the traded tee times. And, uh, you know, if you're active and asking for it repeatedly, you'll get it. But if you're passive, you know, you probably won't. How many courts owner operators have time to do that every day? have time to ask for golf. continuously bug people over and over to get something. Well, I think that's one of the big components of what they value potentially when they first contract with golf now is, you know, Oh, you're going to give me, you know, some information that you collected through automation. Great. I don't have to ask for it at the counter. Listen, with today's technology, you don't have to ask for it at the counter, right? If you build the right systems, uh, every time Sony books a tea time uh, online, you'll collect their information. So there are plenty of platforms that can assist with that, but a while uh, ensuring that you will always have the direct marketing relation with the customer and that your competitors are not being presented to your customers. Awesome. Step four. All right. Step four is conquer the fear. I think many uh, club owners and operators are scared of losing uh, the Golf Now rounds. Golf Now does a great job of supplying owner operators with a report each month 
which uh, outlines how many rounds, revenues, uh, you know, they have generated through their channels. But one of their channels is always their booking engine, which resides on a golf course's website. And I would challenge that that particular channel is a Golf Now channel. I mean, technically, yes, but if you replace it with a different booking engine, are you going to lose any of those rounds? The answer is no. So understanding that just because Golf Now says they sent you a thousand rounds, if 750 of them came through your golf course website booking engine, you won't lose those rounds, right? And then what I said earlier about just online buying behavior, that the balance of rounds, the other 250 rounds, they're smart consumers. They're going to figure out how to buy your tee times and play your golf course if that's what they have their eyes set on. Help me, help me understand this. I'm in South Carolina. I'm traveling. I, I Google a golf course name. If I'm, if I'm, or, or, or golf courses near me, the chances are the course website will probably be the first hit in the Google search, unless it's a paid search or there's an ad or whatever. So if I go organically and I don't even know what golf now is, and I go to that course website and then I go to book a tee time online, golf now will then take credit for that sale and they'll put that under their rounds if they were giving me the data. Well, when they give you the monthly report, they will be showing that as a round that came through a Golf Now channel without a doubt. But worse yet is if you go to Google and you type in a golf course, in all likelihood, you're going to see the Golf Now platform first, and then you're going to see the teeoff.com platform second, and your golf course website will be way, way down the list, right? That's probably in all likelihood you know, what the, what's transpiring when you're searching uh, through Google. Worst case scenario is if you actually go to a golf course's website and they have a Golf Now booking engine and they're listing their barter tee times on that golf course's website, then you're introducing an organic customer to a Golf Now barter tee time in which the golf course will collect, you know, zero dollars of revenue. So there really is, there is a fear factor, but once you kind of correct all the channels, man, you really see a difference in your total green and cart fee revenue, which honestly, that's the number that Golf Now doesn't know that you do know as an owner operator. That is your true protection of being able to make this leap of faith is understanding your total green and card fee revenues. Golf now presents you with the rounds and revenue they see coming through their channels. That's all they see. They do not understand the interrelationship to how that impacts your total green and card fee revenue. Do you think that more and more consumers or, or owner operators are becoming aware of this in, in the industry? Slowly but surely, absolutely. I mean, we've got uh, 42 clubs today on Golfback's platform. You know, all the folks on Golfback's platform have gone through this process and made, you know, this change. Uh, there is a market share being taken from GolfNow point of sale systems because, you know, owner operators are looking for solutions. So, uh, absolutely, slowly but surely, there is traction. All right, well, step four is a hell of a step. So let's transition into step five. Well, step five is, uh, well, wait, I need more help on step four. So, um, you know, I think one of the big challenges is, okay, how does a club's total green and car fee revenue grow when you turn off, you know, a massive marketing channel like Golf Now? How could that possibly be, right? And I just wanted to outline a couple of points for folks on why that happens. So the first thing that... Um, happens is, you know, the online golfer buying behavior is is like uh, online buying behavior for any product. Consumers are smart. They know what they want and they go and find the best deal. This has been shown time and time again. So if your best deal is located on your golf course website, that's where they'll book their tee times. That's number one, online golfer buying behavior. 
Number two is you recapture your organic traffic. Meaning if I'm a golf course and I'm in a local market and a customer in my local market knows my brand and they want to play my course and they decide to go to my golf course website, you know, we're no longer exposing them to a discounted barter deal, which might result in zero revenue. So anyone who organically thinks about our club and our brand, we're recapturing that traffic. You know your staff at all the Brown Golf Management Clubs, and you probably know a lot of the golfers or members there, but I know your staff that's actually at those clubs, they know them well, I'm sure. I would argue that they would much, even even if it meant spending a few more dollars, which in this case it doesn't, they would want to support their local course more than just throw it in the big hat of golf now. 95% of golf consumers have no idea if they go to a golf course's website and they buy a hot deal, that that revenue is not going to the golf course. It might be 99%. They'd probably be mortified if they actually knew. Especially. I mean, I live here in Hampton Township in Pennsylvania. I have done you know, my best to communicate, uh, you know, these concerns. And we've got a local municipal golf course here, which I pay taxes within where I live and for my business. And it just drives me nuts uh, knowing that a golf course customer might go to that club's website, buy the barter tea time, and none of the revenue goes to the township. And that's what happens. So even if you don't golf, that should drive you nuts. I don't want to think for anyone, but anyway, continue. The next aspect is you recapture your online positioning. What I mean by that is um, whenever somebody searches for a golf course online, generally they're going to see golf now, tee times first. They're going to see teeoff.com tee times well before they ever see their golf club's website. You know, the interesting component of that is with the products and services that Golf Now and EasyLinks offer, they do do golf course websites for many of their clients. But I got a question for you, Jordan. If I, if you were uh, Marriott, do you think you'd allow Hotels.com to run your hotel websites? <laughs> Obviously not. Probably not. But we do that in the golf industry all day long, thousands of golf courses. We allow our golf course websites, our largest marketing tool to be run and operated by Golf Now whenever, you know, what's Golf Now's biggest source of income? Their aggregate platform. So what? why would it be in their interest to drive traffic to your golf course level website over their aggregate platform? It's not. And their websites are simplistic. They lack uh, a focus on search engine optimization. And frankly, you just lose uh, online real estate whenever you're in that secondary position being hosted by Golf Now. Next thing is you actually recapture uh, you know, inventory. So any tee times that you were bartering previously, you're no longer bartering, right? So you get to repopulate that back into your uh, overall inventory. You get to sell those tee times and you'll make more money, especially on those high demand days. I think that's probably one of the biggest components to understand too is that you know, Golf Now I think has done a great job of communicating their ability to help you fill sort of your dead spots on your T-sheet, except what they really do is they cannibalize, they guarantee themselves cannibalizing those premium spots. So all those days that you would have sold out, all those high demand days, you get that inventory back, you get to sell it, you get to retain the revenue. Next, you're actually recapturing your ability to collect data, right? Now, no longer are you exposing, you know, a golfer uh, customer, an online uh, tea time buyer to a third-party distribution platform, which is collecting their data. They're coming through a channel, which you own 100% of, which you collect the data through automation. You no longer have to collect at the counter and uh, you're recapturing that ability. And therefore you're becoming, you know, larger as a network and you're, you're owning that direct relationship with the customer. 
And this one's simple, and it's probably enough of a reason if you canceled all the others. You own your lowest price. You're no longer competing against yourself uh, in the marketplace. So the best price to play your golf course resides in a channel which you own 100% of the revenue, should be on your golf course website, and you should constantly give value to your customers through that website. Now, before we move on to step six, and we're coming down the home stretch here, could you just quickly define what barter actually means in this context? Barter is the process by which golf courses will trade uh, a set amount of tee times or starts for services. And they do this through aggregate tee time companies like GolfNow and TeeOff.com, who will then list that inventory on their aggregate platform, and they will sell that inventory to your golf course, and they will retain 100% of the proceeds from that uh, transaction. Now, a lot of times I've heard people say barter's not bad as long as it's fair, and I would agree with that, except under the current relationship, it's extremely unfair. And uh, I think we're outlining that through this article. Yeah, so help, help me understand this again from the layman perspective. If I'm a golf course owner and somebody buys my one of my tee times off of golf now that I'm making zero revenue from, am I just hoping they spend money on a couple beers or at the pro shop or something to even make it worth my while or that they enjoy their time and maybe come back and book again through another means? Well, absolutely. That's what you're hoping for. I think that gets highly overstated as far as how much revenue you actually derive from these folks that are buying these discounted barter times. Uh, we've done analysis on that, and that impact is very minimal. Actually, it's almost reversed. You know, the people that buy your premium time spend a lot more on food and beverage and just other ancillary products at the golf course. You know, you're, you're basically saying, hey, I'm not paying anything for my point of sale services by trading. So, you know, I'm comfortable with it. But the reality is uh, to enter that relationship, you lose the opportunity to sell, you know, two, three, maybe four tea times a day, which there's obviously a revenue component to that. You have to give away your lowest price. You have to give away your data collection abilities. You have to allow, you know, your customers to potentially be remarketed other hot deals to your competitors. I mean, there's a huge cost to pay zero. Shocker, wow. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, step six before I hit myself in the head with a hammer. <laughs> step six. All right, well, uh, you need to make your technology transition plans. And what I mean by that is, you know, many folks that have inventory listed on golf now or tf.com do so because they're in a barter relationship uh, with Easy Links and Golf Now for point of sale services which means if you want to transition from those point of sale services, uh, you need to come up with a point of sales transition plan. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that we think are very important when, when you're looking at point of sales companies. One is that they're cloud-based or web-based. The second is that they have an open integration philosophy or better said, they will not limit what technology companies that you as the club owner operator can work with. And they're open to integrating those products to their point of sale system. Third is they provide a cash model price, uh, you know, a price point that might be four to $600 a month based off the, the uh, different areas of the point of sales system you may need. That's the range you should be looking to pay. 
And finally, tools and partnerships to help you build direct booking business and strategies. They do not want your data, tee times, or your direct marketing relationship. They are supplying tools to help you as a golf course owner and operator. If you can find you know, those core elements, then I think you're in a pretty good spot to potentially consider different point of sales companies. And the companies that meet that criteria, you know, from my standpoint, are Club Caddy, Lightspeed, and 4UP. Perfect. All right. So rounding into form here, we got step seven, and this is kind of like the close right here. We're bringing, we're bringing in Heathcliff Slocum right now. <laughs> no one knows who that is. Um, all right. Bring us home with step seven. Step seven. Uh, let's go Mariana Rivera. Maybe. Yeah, that's maybe. a little more relevant. Yeah, maybe. He's retired too, but still. Draft your letter to golf now. Refer to your agreement's termination window and be ready for your conversion. So... Uh, that's the final step in the process. Uh, we do have a bonus step, though, Jordan. So should we hit the bonus step? Yes, let's hit it. All right. The bonus step is, uh, it might sound familiar, but build a direct booking strategy. It's step one. Uh, it's step one all over again. But now you're in a position where you own your data. You own your lowest price. You own your direct marketing relation with your customer. You're paying cash for your point of sale system. You've gotten back all your inventory that you typically used to barter, and you're just in a much better position to build a better long-term business plan. Great article. It's on golfbacksolutions.com. It's also on uh, browngolfmanagement.com. And there's a lot of links embedded within this article that kind of go into further detail about some of the items you talk about. It's spaced out very nicely and cleanly. It's easy to read. It takes about five minutes to read and you really get a really good idea of what John's illustrating here. So I have a few questions here to hopefully clarify a few things just from my end. So I guess with step seven, anytime you're exiting a relationship, unless you just know that it's been dead for years, there's always gonna be some rebuttal, especially from someone who stands to take a loss. So from your experience, what kind of rebuttals, what kind of pleading their case can someone expect from golf now should they be attempting to transition out of the relationship? They'll bring up their monthly reports, how many rounds and revenues they're sending you. They'll illustrate the growth in online business. They will discuss the ancillary spending that they're customers through their channels have spent on food and beverage and merchandise. Um, they'll talk about their network and their marketing uh, power with Golf Channel and how that's important to traffic for your golf course. You know, and frankly, I think, uh, honestly, a lot of the local sales reps for Golf Now believe in all those things. You know, that's they believe that that brings power and strength to a golf club operation. I know that it doesn't. And I know that the rounds that they perceive as, you know, only being able to be generated by golf now are rounds that you will absolutely achieve without golf now. And you'll do it in a channel which you own 100% of the margin while you're collecting the data, while you're owning your price, while you're owning the direct marketing relationship with your customer. And, you know, I just have a different foundation, but uh, those are the rebuttals you'll hear. In full transparency, are there any positive components of, of golf now or positive attributes or anything. You're like, okay, I've outlined everything here, how I feel, but yeah, there's some value in this part of it. I just want to provide full transparency, which I know you're all about. Technology wise, uh, you know, they're a large company and they spent, you know, a lot on their tech. There are aspects of their technology that folks really like. The reality is, you know, a few years ago, uh, they were 
far ahead of probably a lot of the other technology companies out there, that gap has shrunk. I mean, there is great products in the marketplace. So I think uh, the advantages of the tech that they have, uh, have have shrunk over time. You know, as far as the marketing advantages, you know, I think it's perceived advantages. I don't think it's real. That kind of transitions to my next question is, it seems that, and maybe it's just because of this podcast and um, all the articles you've been writing, but it seems that this is becoming more and more on people's top of mind, that they need to make a transition for the, for the betterment of their, their courses, for the consumer, for everybody. Why do you think golf now was able to kind of get this stranglehold on the online booking? Is it because they were first to market? Is it because they cast the biggest net and they have the most money to spend, their relationship with um, the golf channel, all the above? Why do you think that they were able to operate with impunity for so long? All of the above. And then I also believe that uh, online business was such a small portion of our overall total green and cart fee business that it wasn't necessarily a focus. That is changing. Uh, everyone can see that online rounds are growing. Uh, everyone can see that you, prepaying online is something that probably is a pretty good thing for golf course owners and operators. So I think there's a greater focus from owners and operators on just understanding all of their different channels, their booking tee times through, and then analyzing the margins they make from those channels. So I think uh, everything you mentioned before is why they grew so quickly. But I also think everything I just mentioned recently about the increasing numbers when it comes to online golf is going to be why they have greater scrutiny than ever. My last question is, um, I was recently perusing the Golf Back Solutions website and Brown Golf Management, saw some great testimonials from some, some really intelligent people in the industry who really know what they're talking about. And they were very proud of some of their numbers that they've made through Golf Back with Brown Golf Management since making the switch from golf now. What kind of results or hard data could somebody expect what is typical if they're going to make a transition, both short-term and long-term? And I realize that golf back is still relatively new. We have seen uh, some excellent numbers. We have case studies that are listed on golfbacksolutions.com. You know, our goal is to elevate the industry. It's to put course owners and operators in a better position. It's to pull back the layers of a very nuanced aspect of our business, which is the online tee time world and tee sheet management and rate channel allocation. It's complex, you know, and we've spent a lot of time, energy, uh, analyzed a ton of data to really get to a point where we were comfortable in making the leap of faith. I think the only thing that I'm hopeful for is if someone's even remotely considering or questioning whether they're in a good relationship with golf now, just Talk to the folks that have made the transition. Don't even talk to Brown Golf folks. Talk to the people that are outside Brown Golf, you know, that maybe are, are using golf back, but, uh, you know, they're not a managed or owned golf course or leased golf course by Brown Golf. Just hear their stories. I think the more golf course owners and operators hear about success stories when it comes to this type of transition, I, I think the easier it will be to decide to make that leap of faith and put the time and energy into converting a point of sale system. It is a great business move long-term, huge short-term impacts because you're getting your inventory back, you're collecting data. But the long-term impact is what I'm really excited about. You know, once you truly own that relationship with your customer, once you know who they are, know when they play, uh, give them great value through direct channels, make a hundred percent yield through all the channels you book tee times. You know, what if, 
every golf course in America got to that point in five years or 10 years, you know, how much stronger would we be as an industry? Uh, You know, these electronic aggregate platforms, you know, are simply that electronic aggregate platforms. They don't have the labor concerns, issues, costs. They don't have the agronomy issues, concerns, costs. They don't pay real estate taxes. You know, they don't deal with COVID impacts when they pop up. You know, they are a area that's making a lot of money from our industry, but not providing a lot of value. Um, And this is the way to build a better long-term business. Can't say it much better than that. John, thank you so much for always being forthcoming and so insightful. Check out golfbacksolutions.com. Check out browngolfmanagement.com. John, if someone wants to get a hold of you and just dive a little bit deeper into this, maybe uh, pick your brain a little bit, how can they get a hold of you? My Our contact information is located in two areas, one on browngolfmanagement.com and two on golfbacksolutions.com. We're happy to talk to any owner operator who is you know, considering any component of their business, whether it's a potential change from golf now or some other area. I think open lines of communication uh, amongst the people that are, have the vested interest is the best thing for our industry. Thank you so much. You can listen to Golf Exposed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, all the websites John just named and the direct link on golfexposed.podbean.com. Thank you guys so much, John. Thank you as always. Thank you.